Welcome back to the Lars Resort, a podcast still with me, Lars Everton, brought to you by Betson. Um, so, about the last episode, <laughs> that was a bit chaotic, wasn't it? I mean, we do embrace the chaos here at the resort, but th- that might have been too much chaos. That was just me sort of riding a hobby horse around, uh, making a mess, bumping into things. I feel like we need to drag it back a little bit, uh, drag it back to more substantial chat. And I had a great idea as to how I might accomplish that. So last year, back in about April, I think it was, we had my good friend Tukistan Carlson on. A friend of the pod, I'd say he is now. He's a friend of the resort. He is someone who um, has worked as a scout, as an executive at, at various clubs around Europe, uh, including places like Leverkusen and Monaco. So the, the man knows his onions. And uh, I've known him for a long time now, so I remember discussing various players with him, and he doesn't get a lot of things wrong, and his knowledge is just encyclopedic, and you can see why he's done well for himself. Now, one thing he also does is to write stuff for ESPN, and every year he does a big list of the 39 best players aged 21 and under in the world, and that's kind of compiled by him and a, a sort of sounding board of, of people he knows in the industry and other other scouts and smart people. So I think it was around April last year we had him on for like a massive chat about the list in which we went through all of that, and, and do check out those episodes if you haven't heard them yet. I thought there was a, I learned a lot from that certainly. Now. I figured it'd be fun to bring him back because we're getting close to a year since he compiled the list. Now, and bring him back and go through it one year on. How do we feel about these various young players? You know, who've done well, who've done better than expected. Some were a bit disappointed by you know, some have moved. How those moves worked out? All of that. So I sat down with Dukestian and had the conversation, and I thought it was really interesting. So. Uh, as is always the case when him and I sit down in front of a microphone, it does tend to go on a bit. Uh, but, so I'm just actually just going to stop talking now and, and, and skip straight to the chat I had with the eminent Mr. Torkestan Carlson. Uh, let's go into that. Okay, uh, yes, welcome back. To the large resort, Mr. Tor Christian Carlson, who I believe I have just introduced in, in, in an intro I have not recorded yet, but I, I'm pretty sure I've just introduced you, if this has gone according to plan. But delighted to have you back on the pod after our sort of three, I think that was three episode, episodes <laughs> marathon that we did last year. Uh, great to have you back, Tor Christian. Thank you for inviting me back, Lars. It's, uh, it's an honor. We like repeat visitors at the Lars Resort. It means we've had a, you've provided a good service. Absolutely. And it's uh, I think it's a very good time to do this because it's been not a year, like ten months, I guess, since you made your list of the top uh, talents in world football. And I'm a big believer in like accountability in punditry and content creation. I think you know when you throw your opinions out into the ether, you shouldn't necessarily have them thrown back at you. But it's a good thing to talk about where you were a year ago and. Uh, I do that with myself a lot, and um, yeah, I, I'd like to just go through the list. Actually, I think it's a good idea. Who the the thirty nine uh, players, uh, the thirty nine young players, players under twenty three is the cutoff, isn't it? Under twenty one is yeah. the cutoff uh, that you thought were the best in the world uh, a year ago. Where are they now? How do we feel about them? Some there have been some transfers. Are we happy with how that's gone? And actually, that's a good thing because the first name I'm going to start from the bottom, and the first name is Manuel Ugarte who you brought onto the list, as I recall, almost as a sort of, you like the type, you know, he, he, he because he's a water carrier, he's a hardworking midfielder, the kind of guy who doesn't always get attention, 
but you wanted him on the list. He's moved to PSG, which is kind of interesting because that's like very un-PSG signing in that sense. And it, it that kind of thing that makes me think PSG might be becoming a serious entity in some kind of way, uh, mm. though they're not quite there yet. How do you feel that's gone? I think it's um, I think it's done well. <clears throat> um, you know, the number thirty-nine is obviously the well. It's not obvious, but it's one of the trickier ones mm. because there are dozens of players who I would might want on the list. Um, and I have, as you know, Lars, I have a sounding board that I um, that kind of assists me in the list, mm. just to point me in the right direction on certain players that I might be uh, rating too highly. But I remember Gabriel um, Marcotti was <laughs> not particularly happy about having not? Ugarte on the list. But I think he's I think he's redeemed himself. I think he's he's um, brought something to PSG that they didn't particularly have, and. Um, He's also developed his game. I think I po- pointed that out even mm. in the, from the sporting days that during the last season he he'd added a few things to his game. You mm. know, <clears throat> a lot more progressive in his play. Um, like you said, the water carrier can be can be two two things. I guess can be carrying uh, no water, <laughs> but when he he carries the water better now, he's. Uh, he he can uh, beat um, the first line of, of of pressure with with the ball and his, his long range passing has improved a lot. So, I think it's um, I don't think it was a bad call, Lush. No, no, I like it, and I I just again, I think PSG is such an interesting destination for him because this is a club that's so often my my go to joke has always been more a guest list than a football club, right? <laughs> Whereas this seems like the kind of signing that. Okay, maybe they're trying to put together a team here, and that's not always been smooth this season. Sometimes having these superstars who can win you a game is is very useful, but, but I do think still that PSG may be on the path to to something that's less ludicrous than what they have been. And Ugarte seems like a great example of that. We're not going to spend because there are thirty nine of them. We're not going to spend a ton of time on every player. Some we might even skip entirely if there's just not a lot to say about them. But I think for thirty eight, there is a few things to say, which is Giovanni Reina. Who's someone who's been uh, featured on lists like this for many years? It feels like, but it's just not happening really with him, is it? No, <clears throat> I think we might have been a little bit generous in mm. including him. He didn't have a particularly good year. There was all the debacle about the the World Cup, obviously. Yes. Um, he was not very happy about not getting any very much playing time, and there were also issues at uh, Dortmund that were. Well documented, um, but if you look back three or four years, he was obviously he was higher, and um, there's also some you know one mitigating factor is also injuries, mm. which has been playing a part. And on this particular list, it's very hard to find a balance. Yeah. How many games you you cannot decide whether it is the cutting point yeah. fifteen games or is it twenty? Sometimes players might be left out for tactical reasons. They are young players. But I think keeping him in was <clears throat> came with a little bit of a hope that mm. uh, you know not that he's would pay any attention to this list, but that <laughs> that. But the ta- because the talent's there, right? We've seen the yeah. talent. The talent is there. It's just not happening for him. Do you think he needs to move somewhere? Do you think there's a change of scenery, maybe? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I, see, I I see him being linked with other clubs now, Premier League and. <clears throat> 
I don't know necessarily if that's particularly the ideal um, league for him. Um, I mean, he's a player that prospered massively with that, you know, um, fantastic team with Holland and Sancho, and they were, ex- you know, he likes to exchange positions and pick the right spaces and. And obviously, you need a possession-heavy team to get the best out of him. Play him up in the right, give him the right angles and positions. And um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, I'd look further south. Maybe Spain or. Well, I keep having mental images of him in a Milan shirt. That might just be because of Pulisic, who <laughs> yeah, kind probably. of went there and has improved things a little bit, at least. But. I don't know. Yeah, no. It, it seems it, the Premier League seems like a strange move. If your problem is that you're struggling to keep fit and physically, there might be an issue there. And yeah, yeah, that doesn't seem doesn't seem right. But yeah, far down on the list, but hasn't quite had the year everyone was hoping for. I think it's fair to say number thirty-seven, uh, Quadro Conner. Yeah, <clears throat> still think he keeps doing what he can do mm. and what he's good at. Mm. Might have expected him to have to have moved somewhere in yeah. the summer. Now we're in January, last mm. still he's still there. Yeah. Um, but as with Ugarte, he's not a particularly spectacular player, but tactically um, good player. You notice when you put him out of the team, mm. something Mm-mm-mm. something goes missing. <clears throat> but um, he's, I think, uh, what he has displayed. Uh, already in his career, I think he's probably up to 150 games um, mm. at the, between League One and um, Liga or, or Bundesliga, and for that kind of age, I think he's already yeah. a mature player. How much is going to develop from this point on? Mm. We, we have to wait and see. But um, so he hasn't really exploded this season, but he is someone who. I guess we'll be on a lot of shopping lists in the summer, probably, and we'll, could be someone's uh, sensible midfield signing at some point. Yeah, there was talk of Liverpool, wasn't mm. <clears throat> wasn't it, in the summer? Yeah. But um, they, well, obviously with uh, Schmatke being the sporting director and having brought him to, to Gladbach, that mm. you could, maybe people were just trying to put two, two plus two together and... Um, and that was the the whole um, history of that link. But um, but I remember I, the way I think it's a player that also would up the game in in a bigger team. Mm. Maybe not at Bayern Munich or or Real Madrid, but I think that level below, I think he mm. he's got a fair chance of reaching that. Hey, if Ange wants another midfielder who runs a lot at Tottenham, could be good. He, he likes the guys who run. Um, 36 on the list you had Harvey Elliott who I think has had a kind of interesting year because he keeps getting minutes and keeps being a useful player for Liverpool and we shouldn't forget that that's a tough team to get into and even when you're 19 and you're getting regular minutes there and, and you're making an impact that's a pretty good space to be I think and I don't think anyone's doubting that he's going to have a going to have a great career yeah and I think this year there's you've seen more moments like a couple of spectacular goals mm. um Klopp has even been bringing him on when the team has been struggling a little bit, mm. um, as a kind of a as a kind of a you know a player to bring on to change the rhythm and yeah. up the tempo because that's his strength, in my opinion. You know. Yeah. So um, 
and he seems interesting to, arrowhead yeah and he seems to i mean the thing that maybe surprised me maybe, maybe that's ignorant and lazy of me but i always saw him as more of a winger and more of an attacking player i did i thought he seemed a bit too light to to be a number eight but he's done really well in that position in midfield in quite a few yeah. games when he's been in there and that seems to be working better than i thought it would do so good year for harvey elliott definitely uh deserves it uh, this is an interesting one number 35 you put Yunus musa how do we feel about the the, the year Yunus musa has had well i think he he needs to play mm. consistent football started off reasonably well um in serie a and then he kind of faded a little bit. I think Pioli struggled to find the right formation. He, he altered between three at the back, five in midfield, with four and four. Mm. Um, to me, is with his profile and characteristics, I think he's number eight. Mm. Um, gives you so much energy. Again, ball carrying, like we were, we were having a little laugh about this expression, weren't we? In um, <laughs> in a recap of the list mm. last year but we'll, we'll try and keep this terminology to the minimum last <laughs> but uh, still we 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 can um we can um uh, treat ourselves now yeah. and then occasionally to, someone will be press resistant yeah exactly but um i like an honest hard-working player mm. Um, I think throughout his career, he's been playing fullback, left back. He's been playing right back sometimes. Number six, number eight, and I think with with that in mind, it's hard to kind of necessarily stand out when yeah. you are being looked at as a versatile yeah. kind of um, multi-purpose player. But still, think he will come good. I find this. I, I almost certainly pointed this out the last time we did this uh, last year that it's interesting but I think with your background of actually working at clubs and actually putting teams together you seem to value you know reliability versatility solid people solid slightly higher than a lot of observers like myself who are naturally drawn to sort of the more flashy things and stuff that looks good on YouTube and statistics and stuff and it's you always sort of take players who I like but you know maybe I'm not super excited about and you tend to lift them up a few places because you see qualities that I guess from a perspective of a club or things you really want to have in your dressing room and I guess maybe Musa is one of those yeah absolutely um, going to the other end no, that, that's unfair sorry maybe not completely the other end of that spectrum but someone who's very shiny indeed we've got Ryan Shirky at 34 <laughs> speaking of looking good on YouTube uh, one incredibly entertaining player who, who I guess we still feel will at some point like hit the highest level because there's just so much talent there but of course it's hard to really shine at Lyon at the moment yeah, I mean, who could have who could have seen that uh, Lyon would just completely uh, implode? Mm. But actually, in that side, I think he's one of the few that have come out with a decent mm. um, with a decent kept his reputation to a certain extent, <laughs> good, good, good and his, bad. His dignity intact. Um, he had a, I think, some. I mean. It's still a matter of a player that, um, for example, in the Under-21 Championship, European Championship last summer, he was again outstanding. Mm. Um, wasn't necessarily a, a regular, but same at Lyon. But as a coach, you know that this is one player who can turn, turn the game for you or win the game for you yeah. single-handedly. And I think for Lyon, the, 
th there have been the usual flashes, mm. but I still think I don't know how old is he now. He's two thousand twenty now. Yeah, he's two thousand and three. Oh. He'll be twenty one this year. Yeah, and uh, it would be really interesting to see a, a big club mm. taking a punt on him um, because. Again, we we had this conversation about Reina earlier. Change the environment, coach. Um, sometimes you just go stale. Yeah. Somewhere, and um, obviously Lyon now is um, inevitably, uh, you know, brought into a lot of uh, negativity, and mm. it's hard to turn this around. And that's not for the young players to do this yeah, kind a of job. Yeah, twenty-year-old winger isn't going to fix this, right? No, but. Um, Again, when I sit down and start working on my um, on this year's list, it's going it's going to be interesting. I'll have a deeper look at him and obviously take some some references from people who've seen him quite a lot live this year, mm. um, especially the <clears throat> the on the on pitch discipline. Yeah, because the big obviously the big uh, his big downside was always the defensive contribution yeah. and uh, tracking back and pressing and all that kind of stuff, and I. I still think I've seen some improvements in that regard. Mm. So um, again, I mean, as with a lot of these guys, uh, Lars, you know, the explosion, if you like, you know, yeah. the really bursting onto the scene. Sometimes with players at that age, it can come like yeah, suddenly over a few weeks. And I guess they're so talented, Lars. And from his perspective, in terms of being picked up by a bigger club, which I think we're all expecting will, will happen at some point. The adversity that Lyon has suffered will also show those scouts how he deals with, with difficult moments, which is interesting information for them to have when they're making that assessment. And like you say, by all accounts, I don't watch Lyon every week or anything close to that, but by all accounts, he's one of the players who hasn't fully disgraced himself this season, and that is, uh, that's something to, to notice, I think. I, I think that aspect you mentioned about the, um, the general attitude of the player, mm -hmm. and we talked about on-pitch attitude and there's off-pitch attitude. This is obviously <clears throat> very, very. I mean, on the pitch, you can you can base it on what you see. It's there for everyone to to judge themselves mm -hmm. from 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 the stands. But getting an in-depth look into how the player uh, conducts himself off the pitch—that mm. is obviously also something that's being looked at more and more. Mm. But again, with young players, you know, some people mature uh, like personality-wise at the age of fifteen, sixteen. Mm. Some of them have to go into the late twenties before they understand what what it is all about and what, yeah. how privileged you are and how precious your, your talent is, and that it should not go to waste. Mm. But um, yeah, so that's very very individual. So you're saying there's still hope for Tangi Ndombele? Well, maybe. <laughs> Always bring it back to Ndombele. T time glass is starting I, to. I want to believe. Now well, let's, let's let's go to uh, next on the list. Is 33 is. It, yeah, I like this. You had Brennan Johnson at 33, mm -hmm. and who's, of course, had his big move now to Tottenham, and I think he's had a, a reasonably positive start. I mean, I think there's some some quibbles about the end product in terms of his outputs, but I think someone who has pace, is explosive, is exciting, fits into that Ange Postecoglou system very well. I think half a season into his first season at a, at a bigger club, I think it's fair to say he's someone who could have a very good career at that level. Yeah, I I go along with that, Lars. I think he's he's um, he's had to adapt a bit, um, playing in a high high pressing team at Forest. He was usually left sometimes even up mm. in the half spaces mm -hmm. where he likes to uh, operate by himself. It was like an outlet for 
you know, transition, the outball, mm. basically. And it gave him, <clears throat> but now he's obviously faced often with, you know, two or three markers yeah. and having to break down on a, a low block. And uh, so he's got to adapt his game a bit. But I think, again, as much as wingers can be merc- mercurial or mm. number 10s attacking midfielders, I think he gives you he gives you a minimum yeah. every game for the precise reasons that you that you mentioned. And this is something we've learned, of course, with, uh, with Buster Coggle at Tottenham, is that the sort of work rate on the effort is a non-negotiable, seems to be, with him. Like, he wouldn't be getting his... Even with the injuries they've had, he would have found some other solution if he wasn't happy with the effort that was being put in. Absolutely. It seems to, <laughs> seems to work in that, so we're pretty happy with him being in, on the list here. Uh, 32, Kari Madiemi. That's kind of it. See, I'm, I'm trying to, for pacing purposes, trying to almost skip some, but there are very few here that there's nothing to say about. And I guess with Madiemi, it's it's... Definitely one of the players on the list we were hoping for more from uh, from this season, and you can't really blame the club being in free fall either. It hasn't been a great Dortmund season, but it's not a disaster. The conditions are there for him to do better than he has been doing. So he's someone who I think I think if you're Dortmund, you're probably a little bit worried about. Uh, you know, you, you put a you put a reasonable amount of money into him in terms of salary and transfer fee and everything, and it, it hasn't really worked. No, it hasn't. Um... <clears throat> To be to be fair to him, I mean his development has been a little bit start stop. Mm. Uh, again, as with lots of these guys, it's going to be a re- repetitive feature. But there are um, you don't get the same consistency from from players as you do with, from young players as mm. you do with the more more um, players uh, mid uh, mid mid twenties or later. Um, I think what you know there are certain players that you don't. You still don't discard them because mm-hmm. you understand that they do have some features that, you know, may again, you know, all of a sudden yeah. might just yeah. come out into full force. Yeah. Um, you got the pace. Now, um, it's a counter-attacking player, of mm. course. Uh, the pace and, the, you know, the speed with the ball uh, are... I think top level, top European level. Mm. Um, again, this might be an issue with Dortmund having to play against uh, weaker sides, mm. sitting deep. He doesn't get the space. But we remember also from Salzburg, his finishing, um, yeah, you know, his finishing skills were off the charts. Yeah, you know, one touch, um, left foot, right foot, even some well-timed headers. And could that be a confidence thing that we're not really seeing that at the moment? Yeah, it might well be. I mean, we... It's we, hard to know from the yeah. outside, I suppose, but it's it's odd. But it's... I don't know. He's... Um, I think it's a player that's been held in high regard of mm-hmm. everyone I speak to. And uh, maybe he broke through a little bit too early. You know, he got the cap scored on his debut or, the, or, or his second game for Germany. And maybe just at a certain period, you know, the development kind of just went a little bit... Too fast for him, and yeah. now he's kind of wondering how to find himself again. Yeah, we're definitely hoping for more from him, and so are Dortmund, that's for sure. And actually, since I'm looking for players that we can kind of skirt over because time is tight, well, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to not make this a three-hour extravaganza. I feel like I'm already failing. At number 31, we have Jeremy Pino, who's obviously a delightful player. 
but he hasn't played too many games this season. He's just suffered a bad injury before Christmas. feel like almost the year is... You kind of write that off and think the player is still exciting and we'll see what comes from him next season, I think. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to even allow you to say anything more than that because I want to keep the show on the road. Uh, so let's go to number 30, Rico Lewis, who we've seen slightly less of. Would that just kind of make sense? Because you're not expecting a kid that age, that level of experience to be anywhere near a regular at Man City. But the fact that he's in the first team discussion still and is considered, you know, a viable option by Guardiola, I think is, is a huge compliment in and of itself. Well, with uh, Rico Lewis, I, I'm, I quite often find myself thinking, stick him on. When the game goes a bit kind of pedestrian yeah. and City struggle to break down the opponents, um, yeah, stick just him in. Just some energy. Yeah, just stick a bit him of a in as a number eight. I mean, yeah. he was initially a right back, but you can see he's he, he's done brilliantly also in um, in central midfield on t- uh, at times. And sometimes you just need that player to make the 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 direct runs instead of yeah. just wanting the ball to feet. Yeah, and there's something about he's in such an interesting space because we're seeing this more and more. The City Academy, obviously, they're doing tremendous work in terms of identifying talent and developing them, but getting into the team is so difficult. So you're going to have such like Phil Foden for ages was kind of like getting a couple of minutes here, a couple of minutes there, and everyone could see it was brilliant. It's just actually getting regular for minutes for City is so hard because the level is so hard. And you see Cole Palmer move on and is one of the best players at Chelsea immediately, and he wasn't he wasn't getting minutes. And I, I guess with Lewis, I, I, he will have to make that decision as well, I guess. It's just because there's going to be a while probably until he's a regular in that team, just because being a regular at City is is tough. Do you think about moving, or are you committed to the point where you, you trust you? Basically, are you going to be the next Phil Foden or the next Cole Palmer is the question. Are you being the guy who spends maybe a couple of years longer waiting for your chance than some players would, or are you going to be the guy who goes somewhere else? I, I don't see a particular rush here, because he, he, he can also play two different positions, so mm-hmm. maybe even, even three. Um, so there'll be, you know, there'll be occasions where he can... Well, Kyle Walker is getting on anyway at right back. So, you know, there is kind of a slot for him there. Mm. Cancelo is no longer there to kind of um, to to push him further back in the queue. And um, as I said, you know, is an energy player. And uh, you can, you know, you, what strikes me with him is his eagerness to get into, you know, he finds the right spaces and then he darts into, into the half spaces and, often you find him kind of just on the offside line even when he plays at right back mm. and uh, what's he's 2004 is he um so uh, i think you know time is time is um, yeah. a commodity in this sense and I, I don't think there's any pressure on him and i also think guardiola kind of manages it well he always keeps two or three four kids on the bench mm. you have five substitutions now and um, of course, this debate uh, as regards to you know um, too much playing time and uh, having players uh, getting uh, injured for basically playing too many games. I think the trend will point in the direction of using your squad even yeah, more. Definitely. But of course, if he if he was twenty two two twenty three, uh, that might be a discussion to be had. But yeah. I, I think at the moment he's he's in a good place. Well, speaking of players who've got plenty of time, uh, number twenty nine, Yusuf Amukuku, which is one of those where 
I feel like it's incredibly harsh to say that you're expecting more from a player that age, but he is still in the bracket of players you were kind of thinking he... You feel like he was lined up to have an explosive breakthrough season for Dortmund, and that hasn't quite happened. It seems to be kind of happening a little bit now, the past couple of months. Um, although we've been waiting for Godot to a certain extent, because it's, you know he came through at... He was a small child. Well, he just, he, he just turned 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but... I think what speaks a little bit against him is that he's not a classical number nine. He's not a winger. He likes to he likes to play up front in a more central role. He's been playing out on the right a little bit on on the sides, but I think as he's not a classical number nine, it will be in the um, kind of in the nature of you know of him of shuffling him around a bit. But it's a player that needs to be close to the goal. Mm. Um, you know, receive the ball in the penalty area and obviously it's the goal-scoring instinct which is the absolute um, outstanding quality with him. It is. I guess maybe it was a bit too neat. You know, we're expecting the Dortmund talent factory to sort of, yeah, they, they have Bellingham and then they sell him and they had Holland and they sell him. There's always someone to replace them and we're kind of looking for... Now that those Sancho and Bellingham and Holland have all moved on, we're looking at this crop of young players and for someone to be the next sort of young superstar in the world but just sometimes it's not that easy sometimes these things take a little bit of time and with Adiemi with Mukuku they've got guys here maybe Bino Gittens is maybe not quite in that bracket but he's an exciting player and they've got someone there who might be that player but maybe not quite there yet but Mukuku is still so young I'm sure it's going to be fine I'm intrigued by number 28 we had Malik Tia there who you were very very excited about at, at centre half how do you feel his uh, season has been, or how his progression has been since we, since you compiled this list? I think that the the list was compiled at the peak mm. of his um, impact at uh, at Milan. They were struggling defensively, and um, and he came into the side and he looked million dollars. Mm. Um, then he got injured now mm. a few few months ago, and that's been obviously. Uh, not just a big problem to him, but for Milan as well. But there were, um, towards the end of last season, there were a little bit more, um, you know, you, he, he was struggling a bit more. Yeah. But um, I think for a player that was picked up for, I don't know, very small amount, this probably says in the piece, but yeah. um, from Schalke, only played second level in 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 Germany. Yeah, came into Milan, played like a captain. Yeah, you know, so dominating and from a physical and athletical uh, point, I think he's got everything. And, yeah, and he was also, you know, he was decent on the ball. He was, um, he was, um, he looked like a very mature defender, and he's got this air of cool, calm, calmness around him, which is quite unusual for young players. And we see often that, you know, center halves tend to develop a little bit slower than some other positions. So if you have a guy who at his age has shown what his ceiling can be, the level he can be at, who has his frame, who can still move quite well, if you're Milan, you're very happy to have that in your squad and you're still pretty positive about the future with him, I guess. 27, uh, Jacob Ramsey, uh, who's, you know, contributing to, to, to Villa during their surprisingly good season. Uh, a typical, I would say, typical to Christian Carlson inclusion on this list in the sense that he's like, uh, he is probably a little bit less flashy than some of the other names you, you might list. 
but he's someone who at a very young age can show has shown that he can make an impact uh, as a midfielder in the Premier League, which is not something everyone can do. And a lot of energy, maybe hasn't quite found his place under Unai Emery. I think that's not unfair to say, but but still an exciting prospect. No, I think the, he's been included twice on this list, mm. uh, which might not be a given for Aston Villa. I mean, they they haven't always been up top. Um, top five of the Premier League. Mm. Um, struggled with a few injuries this season, kind of start-stop season to a certain extent. I um, think um, Emery moved him around a little bit, used to play inside from the left, which suited him very well, mm. especially the off-the-ball runs, finding positions behind the defence, cutting in from the left. That, I think, is excellent at, yeah. at, at this. And uh, Again, it, you get a lot of energy and you get, a lot, you get an honest player and he is fundamental a, in the Premier League to have this kind of... Um, and he is a good fit for the Emery system in the sense that Emery likes to play almost like a 4-4-2 but with the wide players coming inside and he wants them to be... You often play central midfielders in that role and you think long-term that's a good one for, for, for Jacob Ramsey but um, yeah, maybe not had the explosive breakthrough season but you know, clearly a very talented player. Someone who has had a pretty explosive season and who will be higher on next year's list, I would imagine, is number 26, Xavi Simons who has looked really quite fabulous for, for RB Leipzig. And I've even heard some observers be slightly anxious about the fact that one of the standout players in the Bundesliga is on loan from a bigger club. And that feels a little bit emasculating for, for the Bundesliga as a whole. But he has been quite fantastic. One of the kind of main arguments about keeping him high up is was the quality of the Dutch league. Mm. Because... It is. Uh, it does favor attacking players, yeah. and you get a lot of space. Everyone plays uh, forward. Even weaker sides, you know, don't tend to sit back. They won't want to play. Um, and um, but yeah, he was outstanding at PSV. I mean, it was double figures, goals and assists. And but I think it's it, it's a typical La Masia product. You know, it's uh, innate uh, understanding of football, extremely intelligent. You can tell, especially where he picks up the ball, always mm. finds the, the right spaces and the, the first touch and the control. Yeah. And um, end product, Lush. You know, it's all about end product. Well, that, well that's the thing, because we've seen a lot of, like you say, a lot of kids come out of La Masia and they have that great, great first touch and they know the space to receive the ball and then the quick turn and then for all this sort of stuff. But it seems it's just some of the long-range shots he's pulled off. It's like, what is this? Uh, so, yeah, a remarkable player. Um, will be higher on this year's list, I expect. And uh, I'm sure will be a regular at uh, PSG next season. And uh, I guess Bundesliga fans will have to enjoy him uh, while they can. Interesting one at number 25, Amadou Onana. Who we're both very big fans of. Uh, yeah. With your opinion, of course, carrying slightly more weight than mine. But I am a big Onana stan. And, uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with him being, you know, a hardworking component in the Sean Dyche team, but that kind of feels like he, he should be aiming higher in life. And he probably is, I guess. If I'm not mistaken, Lars, we, yeah, we were, we were washing him with, um, showering him with compliments. Um, would you both shower and wash with compliments? Yeah, we, yeah, we, we were, um, very, very positive and... I was wondering as well, I mean, given Everton's financial predicaments and um, 
and um, quite a few club, big clubs, real need of a number six mm. um, or a defensive midfielder. It's not pivot a number mm. six, as the educator listener, uh, educator listener would know. But um, everyone wants a player like that in in midfield, mm. uh, especially if you play with two, and you might have a better ball player next mm. to him. But I think in the stuff he does. The presence, uh, winning second balls, winning free kicks because yeah. it's so he's it's such a unit that it's just so hard to to unbalance him and um, you know and he's a player in in rapid development as well. Although he might be limited a little bit now because obviously Everton are concerned about keeping their Premier League status and doing very well at it too, but um, it doesn't give the liberty of the midfielders. To, to to travel yeah. too much forward, but you can see now, Lars, that there are rumors uh, circulating that some bigger clubs are are onto him. I almost certainly said this the last time, but I'm going to say it again. It's funny how some players just have physical characteristics that make them like Yaya Toure famously had a very large backside and knew how to use it. Whereas with Onana, he's got such long legs. He's really good at just kind of poking the ball away from people and winning it. Sometimes you create a foul, but like he's he's got this sort of extra wingspan there, but he, he gets to things sometimes you're not expecting him to because he's got really long legs. Very interesting. Uh, one of the biggest disappointments overall on the list is uh, 24, Gabri Vega, who has kind of retired uh, <laughs> unexpectedly. He's moved to the Saudi League, which for a player his age is an incredible admission of defeat, I think, in a sporting sense. It just means that you really you, you want to make money for your family. I, I always say on this podcast that I don't like turning down money on other people's behalf because you, you never know your situation and people's values are different and it's fine but like just as someone who likes watching football it's sad to see a 20 year old just decide I just don't really care about having a career at a high level I'm just gonna get the money uh, and you think you probably could have made a lot of money going somewhere else as well you just um, wonder why there weren't other clubs chasing him because if you have the chance with all due respect to Saudi Pro League if well, that's have, good for you. I show no respect for the Saudi Pro League, but you it, show some. That's very polite. But if you have, um, if I mean, he was linked with Liverpool, for example, mm. Arsenal. And if there were concrete offers, I would have thought he would go there. Mm. So something tells me that there, were, there wasn't that interest in him, mm. which we were made to believe. But but okay, who knows? He might come back in a year or two or three and uh, re-establish himself in European football and he's... 21 this year so there's still time his trajectory was kind of interesting because he was he wasn't a child star he wasn't someone everyone knew about he wasn't someone who was watched for years he was more of a breakthrough thing for for Celta Vigo is it possible that some of the bigger clubs that you mentioned wanted to hang back a bit wanted to see one more season wanted to see if there's really is something here and then when the offer comes from the golf with all the money he just kind of thought well you know I'm gonna I'm gonna make hay while the sun is shining. I mean, is that that might be what happened, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, Twenty three, I think you can be pretty happy with. We had Alejandro Garnacho there, like him quite a lot, and just someone who's still very young, obviously very raw, but is managing to make an impact for a really dysfunctional Man United team, which is not an easy thing to do for a teenager. You know, one of the most high pressured environments in the world team isn't working like a lot of things are bad but he's still managing to show flashes of something really good and I think that's really impressive you could say that is kind of with his characteristics in mind which are you know one one against one mm. taking on opponents um, 
and um, cre general creativity. And even with Man United almost playing on the break at times, yeah, uh, at home against lesser opponents, that kind of suits him. Yeah, it does. Um, but again, you know, he's Argentinian. He's he, he's got confidence in in himself, and he's uh, he, he's got his idols. Uh, he's he's got his references. Yeah. He knows where he wants to be, and so I think paradoxically, I think these are the only kind of maybe profiles that would prosper in a yeah. dysfunctional team because nobody will criticize you for maybe you know trying to take on a man too too many doing your own thing when when the patterns and the movement is not there around you yeah. so but i th i think you know last year might have been a mini breakthrough i think yeah. it's a proper breakthrough yeah. this season and i'm impressed by i mean i've maybe spoken about this too much in the pod but like the comparison between him and Jaden Sancho at united is interesting because obviously i was excited about Sancho. i watched him a lot up in the bundesliga you know super exciting player Whereas I've seen him at Old Trafford in the flesh a few times. Whereas with Sancho, it's noticeable if he has a couple of bad touches, if he doesn't get past his fullback, you know, if he gets on the wrong track in a game, his head drops and he kind of loses confidence and he stops trying things and the crowd gets on his back. And you don't see that with Garnacho. Like the head does not drop, the head stays up. And I think that attitude has probably served him very well in the circumstance. He's probably an interesting player to coach, you would imagine. <laughs> he probably not, maybe, I don't know, but I can imagine he might not be the easiest guy to, to deal with. But certainly in the circumstance at United, that those qualities seem to serve him very, very well. Um, and you could even compare against Anthony, who was supposed to have this quali those qualities. Yeah, it's, it's a disastrous signing. Yeah. But, you know, I've been in this game for for quite a few years, twenty odd years, and um, I remember back in maybe like we we don't talk so much um, uh, anymore about kind of uh, cultural and and uh, uh, et ethnical dimensions. It's kind of a little bit off the menu for for right reasons. Mm -hmm. But I remember um, in the nineties and early two thousands, people were looking at Argentinians. Precisely for this this reason, yeah, because they are that, and I think it's still fair to say that there is a kind of a commitment and some uh, inborn uh, innate um, pride in the, in their footballing uh, merits that you you get you always get a hundred percent more or less. Mm. Um, there are many many examples. Of course, it doesn't mean all Argentinian players or Uruguayans are like that, but it is it was at least for many many years it was seen as a kind of one of the checkpoints on your south american list was yeah. that from the rio de la plata region you yeah. would get plays with this kind of yeah. mentality yeah. well not sure I was, I was hoping for a link there hoping speaking about mentality that doesn't quite work but uh, interesting player at number 22 ryan gravenbach who has moved he's moved to liverpool um, and um is not a complete sort of regular in that midfield. Is part of the sort of Jurgen Klopp rotation, rotation extravaganza. Uh, has seen some positive moments, I guess, but we're still kind of waiting. I, I, I'm inclined to be patient with him because of how good he looked at Ajax and because of how bad the Bayern Munich adventure was. And he still hasn't really had time to fully establish himself at Liverpool. So maybe there's more to come. But he's still kind of lingering in this sort of slightly frustrating space, I think, in terms of the talents that you watch. The jury is still out on him in terms of 
what he can offer Liverpool. Mm. Um, but I'm positively surprised. I think based on the Bayern year, which the last, this previous list, 2023, mm. is mainly based on, on, on outings. I wouldn't mm. say performances, but outings yeah. for, for Bayern Munich. Um, and I remember, I think I mentioned this in the in our uh, review podcast in the um, in in May or whenever it was uh, last year. Last year, well, some of my sounding board guys were very upset about seeing seeing him so <laughs> low down the list, despite the troubles he had at um, at uh, Bayern. Because the innate talent is so yeah, huge. Exactly. However, I would say one thing. Um, when I watch him for Liverpool, he's not a liability. No, and I think that that because I feel sometimes with those kind of um, players, it's, it's kind of a flair. Central midfielders, creative, elegant, uh, all that kind of thing. It's often either or if yeah. it's either you you make it straight away or you don't. Yeah. And he's as I said, Liverpool still keep winning. Yeah, with him in the side, and uh, I think it's. You know, I, I was not particularly enthusiastic about this signing. No. I thought... Not right for Klopp, maybe, he thought. Or... Yeah, because we, we had a look at him at uh, the 21 Championship as well. He was very lethargic. He didn't offer very much to quite a poor, disappointing Dutch side. Um, and uh, he was one of the players that you would go to for a bit of spark. And you would think he's yeah. he's above this level. Um, but I think from what we've seen at, uh, from him at Liverpool, these are encouraging signs, I would say. And I guess this is not his fault at all, but it's very hard to avoid the Paul Pogba comparisons with him. Because he is tall, you know, because he has this lovely range of pass, because he strikes the ball beautifully, because he can look slightly lethargic sometimes, because he was also represented by the late Minoriola, <laughs> now with Rafael Pimenta. Like, there's a lot of... There's a lot of the Dutch Pogba vibes there, which uh, is uh, which is not maybe not 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 nothing to do with him in a sense, but like the comparisons are are, are hard to avoid for me. Well, I but because but then again, if yeah. if he if he was that in a negative sense, then we would have known by now that Liverpool was was not the right place for him, I guess. Yeah, and he, he's Dutch. Yeah, he's not French. Yeah. <laughs> and Pogba was more of a more more of a power player, yeah. basically. And and Dutch are true to their, um, especially Ajax players. Mm. You know they like to play, do the, um, you know the nice the creative side of the game mm. and the stylish side of the game. And I think he he does that quite well. But I think Pogba was was more of a penetrative penetrative player, if I can mm. use that expression, Lars, on mm. the resort. You know. And, uh, there are you, no rules you, against penetration on the resort. And you could stress. you could say that uh, Gravenbach is more a strategical player. Yeah, I think that's the main difference between the two. Hmm. Interesting. And um, the fact that they had the same agent, I think, is a little bit unfair to uh, <laughs> make the to bring about yeah. a comparison. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely, it is very unfair. I mean, we have finally again worried. We've already gone so long, but I, we finally have a player we can skip because Romeo Lavia got his move to Chelsea, got injured. We haven't seen him since. Very talented player, but we're going to have to talk about him again next year, I guess. Sure. Another player who, again, I'm tempted to almost skip because we haven't seen much of him is at number 20, Andre Santos, who you're super excited about. And there's really no way to judge him because you haven't seen him play much football after the move. And I guess we're still waiting, and he's so young that we can we can wait. It's, yeah. it's okay. He's not had a breakthrough season, but he hasn't really had a chance to. Um, number 19, uh, Piero Hinkavi. 
Hinkapi uh, at uh, at uh, Bayer Leverkusen, who of course now is um, is part of a team that's one of the you know one of the stories of the European football season. Yeah, amazing. Uh, I mean, that's a podcast episode uh, in its own right. But um, another player who's been a little bit plagued by injuries mm. this season, Lars. Um, but um, and you can imagine, you know, Leverkusen having him back uh, in um, absolute top condition. It's another massive plus. I think now the. Um, the left wing back position has been kind of cemented with with Grimaldo, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but you I not, guess we'll see more as a, as a left sided centre back in that back three will be extremely exciting. Mm. And and whatever we've seen of him this season has been has been positive. So I think he might be over age now, uh, twenty four. Yeah. Um, he's aged out of the list, but still an interesting player. Um, for pacing purposes, I'm just going to keep uh, keep going. Let's go to number eighteen, which is. Rasmus Höhlund, who got his big move. You had him pretty high on the list. You were pretty high on him before, uh, way before the move happened. Um, Man United, not an easy place to go now as a teenager. And there you go, Mr. Teenager. You try to fix whatever's going on with this club. Like, that's not an easy gig. Uh, famously didn't score in the Premier League for a while, but I thought he still looked good, got into positions, looked strong, looked willing. I'm feeling pretty good about him in general. Like, I, 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 I don't... I'm I'm not really I don't have a lot of doubts about him becoming a prolific goal scorer in the Premier League in time if he keeps playing for a good team and stays clear of injuries. Where are you at with Erasmus Hoyland right now? I'm pretty much with you on this one, Lash. Mm. Um that's a relief. Maybe the move came a little bit too soon. Um circumstances weren't the best. Um and United's not obviously has not been a functional or happy place to be. Um, I agree that I think what, regardless of the goal scoring drought in the in the Premier League, I mean you see it still makes an effort. It's still a handful. Mm. The run, the movement is good. Uh, but in most well functioning uh, teams, uh, you know the movement is usually a big big key. The collective movement mm. and at Man United that has been you know I mean even just the lineups are have been shuffled around mm. endlessly and. Um, but you saw against uh, Spurs the goal he scored. It was kind of a trademark goal. Um, you know, the strike on the ball. You know, there were a few issues about him in Italy. People said that he would, um, you know, his first touch was, was not great. He, his hold-up game still to be, um, still to be um, developed. But essentially, I think that is maybe the one thing that he, I think... Hölen ultimately needs space, mm. and with Atalanta, it was mainly. I mean, if you study most of his goals, would come through um, Atalanta winning possession quickly, mm. and then very direct. Yeah. Uh, and w- w- when the um, opposing defense is kind of uncoordinated, and I mean, sometimes he would even just run between the center backs and accelerate away, and then they go one nil. Um, and the question is, at Man United, would that you would think in a strong Man United side, you'd want a number nine with mm. kind mm. of a bit of a you know, um, it's got the full package. But then again, you see also with Holland, some people claimed a couple of years ago that his hold-up game wasn't good enough and might still be working in progress there. But 
still works. Yeah, yeah, and I think in a, in a more functioning Man United team with a clear pattern of play and that can produce chances for him, I think Highland will score a lot of goals. Is is kind of my assessment at the moment, and we'll see, we'll see if we can manage to get there. At number seven on the list, and I am wary that I want to speed things up. I mean, that's the problem starting at the beginning. You get to some of the more juicy things, and I want to move things along. But we have uh, Nico Williams of Athletic, uh, Athletic Bilbao at uh, number 17, um, who remain, remains a very, very interesting player, no? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think if he'd been somewhere else than Athletic Bilbao, who obviously drive a very hard bargain when mm. they when they sell players rightfully so i think he would have been snapped up already yeah um and you think is as a physical and technical profile as a premier league player mm. and now he's kind of not established himself in the spanish um side but at least he's he's getting minutes and uh, might have wanted to see him score a few more goals but it's coming along because bilbao are such a weird club in the sense that of course they only take basque players which means that selling players is a bigger thing for them. Like the money isn't like okay, money is good, but the limits there are limits to who they can replace. So they can ask. It becomes a supply and demand thing. Their supply is very very limited. So, so for them to replace good first team players, you have to price them very highly. Uh, and I guess yeah, he's uh, well. Maybe we'll see him move at some point. I don't know. Uh, Sixteen. Benoit Badiashil has moved to Chelsea. Is one of the players who. In this sort of, well, he moved to Chelsea before, but he's at Chelsea and is in the sort of uh, Todd Bowley spectacular. I, I don't think there's any doubt that he's a very good player, but I guess he's in the same bracket as a lot of Chelsea young players, is that they they look quite good, but the team around them doesn't quite add up and it's all a little bit difficult. But but I but I still think he, he merits a place high on the list. Still a bit kind of a... Weird development of his mm. Chelsea career. I thought he came. He was thrown out, thrown into the deep end. Like mm-hmm. just after he came, he started playing and played reasonably well, in my opinion. And then now, obviously, Chelsea having had another spending spree in the summer, even more fullbacks came, um, centre backs came in. Uh, Cowell is there, left-footed centre back. You know, um, it's going to be hard to see who ends up playing alongside. Thiago Silva, he's always going to be in the side, isn't he? Um, so I don't know. Um, you know, still, in my opinion, I mean, in terms of um, ball playing qualities, at least from his Monaco days, was superb. Mm. Might have taken a few too many risks in the passing and bringing the ball out of defence. Might have been punished a little bit for that in the Premier League. Things go a bit faster. Mm. But yet, he's on this list, so he's still young. Mm. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see how, what Chelsea end up doing, because you, how if, many, you, if you play with a back four, you cannot have six relatively equally, qual- um, in terms of relative equal quality, playing at the, being at the same club. Yeah, no, it's a strange setup. I mean, playing some of them at, at full-back, I guess, is something you can do, but it's it's not ideal either. Uh, onwards to the next one. That's another strange one I guess we don't have to spend a ton of time on, because at number 15 you had Gonzalo Ramos, who's kind of gotten lost a little bit. He's gone to PSG on this sort of deal that's a loan with an option to buy. I don't think it's a mandatory purchase. I think it's no. an option to buy. And with Colomwani being preferred as the focal point in that attack, 
he's just kind of yeah he comes off the bench sometimes but uh, uh i had to check this but actually only five, eight starts and five off the bench in liga so for one of the exciting striking talents in the world that's not a good position to be in and Still keep scoring for the for Portugal though, yeah, which course. is a bit um, funny given the fact that he hasn't seen as much playing time as he would have wanted. But um, again, PSG is a hard club to 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 work out. Um, they'll always have options up front, and uh, like you said, Colomani. Both of them can theoretically play wide or yeah. kind of tucked in from the side, but. Yeah, so far it's um, it's not been particularly promising. I guess so we we'll, 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 might we'll, end up back at Benfica then. Maybe, but we'll see in the summer. I mean, because if Mbappe leaves, do you think there's a world in which they sort of trigger the purchase clause and they think, okay, you can do it, but you can't really, based on what he's done so far, you can't really hold him up as the Mbappe replacement. That would be a bit crazy. I mean, have to... <laughs> yeah, and I guess the, the clause is something, it's close to 100 million, I think, so... If you want to sign a hundred million player, you that you've had on loan, yeah, you and, and, you, you would want more, yeah, definitely. No, uh, but but looked so interesting at Benfica. So hopefully he'll find a place um, at some point. I think it's a little bit case of a confidence player, Lars. Yeah, because he also thrives on a lot of like plays with a lot of spark. You know, yeah, he needs to be really up for it. And of course, when you know he might. Even in training, he might not be in the first eleven in the last couple of days before yeah. the for the game, and his head will drop a bit. I think I picked up some comments that Luis Enrique hasn't been particularly impressed with him and no. stuff, and uh, that might affect him. I think. Okay, so he you reckon he might be one of those who goes back to Benfica and just kind of stays there and scores thirty goals every season in Portugal. And uh, well, if he does that, I think he'll be out again. <laughs> I think yeah. you, I think you will end up somewhere yeah. Premier League or whatever. Because he does, because he again we talk about profiles. He looks like a Premier League player to me when he plays and when he's playing well because he has a good intensity and energy to what he does. I can absolutely see him doing that at some point. But then, if the price tag is high and he's not been great this season, then maybe needs another year in Portugal to sort yeah. of put himself back on the map. I don't know. Uh, Fourteen Nuno Mendes, left fullback of Paris Saint Germain. I guess I probably remarked upon this the last time we did this, but it's a surprising number of PSG players on here. I mean, they're they're they're, they're hoovering up the talents, no? Yeah, um, I think there were three in this one, mm. maybe four. Um, yeah, there was a change in strategy, wasn't it, Lars? Yeah, it seems Co- to be. A co- couple of years ago, it was not just about kind of your well-seasoned stars from. From the big European European countries, um, which which is a you know welcome change in in, in strategy in my opinion, but um, again Nuno Mendes to me is a player that uh, you can you can count on hundred percent, mm. and mm-hmm. even when PSG have have an off day or are in a bad um, on a bad run, he will always do his thing. And in terms of attacking fullbacks or wingbacks, I think he's extremely he's a, he's a lot involved great press pressing player as well mm. um yeah i think slightly underrated yeah and again playing regularly at psg when you're a young player is you know it's one of those things it's uh, it's a mark of quality in itself number 13 i guess we can skip because we've got jurian timber there who everyone's we all like and we're excited about but has been injured all year so it is yeah. what it is we're hoping he comes back and we can see some more number 12 I'd like to maybe spend some time on because at number 12 we find Ansu Fati and I do wonder if 
I, I wonder if we're getting to the point where it's probably not happening for him at the level we thought it would be happening, which is sad and it's harsh because his injuries is nothing who's done wrong, but it just he seems to have lost something, and, and I don't I don't know if you get it back. I believe this was pointed out in the previous podcast as well, Ash, mm. but Ansu Fati was a bit of a dilemma. Yeah. Because as, you know, the educated reader again, will or listener, will have uh, seen in the intro of the piece, it is like a, you know, the way I go about it is that it's like performances is one thing, obviously, but it's not a it's not a ballon d'or for young players. Yeah. Because potential um, should also be 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 weighing up uh, quite a bit there because we're talking about young players and it's mm. supposed to be slightly more subjective than other lists. So where do you leave Ansu Fati? And, and obviously there's the injury uh, aspect as well. I think what, what we can agree on um, and um, the, the loan move to Brighton kind of backs that up is that he he's not the same player uh, no. as he was uh, when he broke through three three years ago was it mm. um, and um, yeah there might be physical issues still uh, at play here but um, it's sad um, his you know his top season was the breakthrough one he's hardly had a full proper season so um yeah i mean he's injured right now that seems to be the story of yeah the, and we and so i i think for i mean i think we can just sum up and say that we just hope to see him fully recovered yeah and um possibly back at barcelona yeah because i think with such an injury history it doesn't make sense to be loaned out you want to keep your injured players in the house so you can yeah so you trust your own medical department yeah exactly and maybe if his body is a bit fragile again, the Premier League might not be the best place for him. Yeah. But it's just, and it, maybe I'm being too harsh. But when he was fit, I mean, do we know if he was fully fit and fully match fit? We don't know. But he just didn't stand out the way you would expect no. him to, based on what he was doing a few years ago. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's like it, this could also be a matter of confidence, Lars. Mm. But um, you know, this is a player who was tremendously good in tight situations, one against one, um, so unpredictable, mm. difficult to read. Um, good with both feet, you know, technically brilliant. And um, to make that happen, you you need to kind of, there are a lot of uh, abilities that need to work together. And mm. if one of them is missing, including your confidence, your whole game collapses. Mm -hmm. um, and that freshness that he had when he, you know, during his first season at Barcelona, and the, as I said, the confidence uh, was something you know people are comparing him to Messi right mm, mm, mm. Um, but um, that seems um, those days seem long gone now Lars, yeah. but uh, let's see they do um, number 11 on the list um, staying with the Barcelona theme I suppose is Alejandro Balde uh, left uh, left back left wing back very young very good you were a big fan yeah I don't think he's well Barcelona not the kind of you know, um, are not the force they were were last season, uh, evidently. But I still think he's 
still one of the better players in the side and has done nothing wrong for a left back of, of 20 or 21 or where he is. Very young, has started 15 in the league so far in the league. Uh, yeah. Things are on track. Valde yeah, is good. Absolutely. He'll probably pay, play for Barcelona for many years. I might even be on the list. I think he's got one more year before he expires. If yeah. Feels not a ton to say about him, I guess, uh, except to say that, you know, he's good. Uh, and uh, we, we move on to, I think, a more interesting case. Uh, number 10, Moise Casedo. Who's, who's been trapped in the sort of Chelsea maelstrom of talent and, and unhappiness. Um, it's, I, it's very hard. I feel like it's harsh to be too critical of any of them, really, because I feel like that's a circumstance thing. Yeah. I, I think this Chelsea squad, there's so many individually exciting players, and that is not a balanced squad. That makes sense. And I, I feel like he's kind of trapped in that. And, and do you want to start saying, well, I was expecting that guy to raise the level, I was expecting that guy to raise the level... Maybe if we're going to talk about them as the best young players in the world, but you're still talking about a guy who's 21, 22. It's, yeah. it's a big ask to be the guy who comes in and fixes this. Yeah, I think on the merit of the um, Brighton season, I think he deserved, was it ninth? Tenth. Tenth. I think, mm. he should, yeah, I think he's a top, top ten, yeah. um, and, and, and rightfully so. And um, I think you summed it up well, Lash. I mean, based on Chelsea, it's such a... Um, extremely hard uh, team to to work out yeah uh, partly because they've uh, the, you know partly because of the influx of central midfielders um pochettino hasn't still kind of worked out his best best three in there mm. um i think on paper it's the three that he's playing now with with the uh, fernandes and and Caicedo and galaga mm-hmm. But uh, they're all young, yeah. And um, I think at uh, Brighton you had someone like Pascal Gross, for example, next mm. to you in, in midfield, and who could direct things and, and help you out. And uh, at Chelsea, it's it's a lot more complex. But so to kind of give a very precise verdict of individual performances, it's difficult. It, it, at Chelsea, it's almost impossible because you can't look beyond the fact that there's been too many players thrown in at the very very short. Space of time, yeah. Yeah, two years. But even when you say that, that mid, yeah, more Kais- than a half year actually. Caicedo, Enzo, Enzo, and Gallagher is like that. Midfield has a super high ceiling, I think. Yeah. Like, I, I shouldn't. I honestly don't think it shouldn't surprise anyone if in two or three or four years that's a Premier League winning midfield. Like, I mean, I, I think the ceiling is just the very top there. Yeah. But th- there are just too many in the eleven who are too young, and and of course you suffer from the lack of a credible number nine. So you're just kind of underperforming your xG constantly because you don't have a finisher up there. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a tough one, tough one for him. Uh, number nine, Josco Guardiol, who had his big move, went to Manchester City. Um, interesting first year at City. I guess the first thing that comes to mind with him is I'm I'm surprised by how how often I see him in attacking situations because he's kind of playing on the left side of that uh, that mm. defense. And I keep seeing him turn up in like very advanced positions on the field, which is odd for a guy who is really a center half, just kind of being played on the left side. I think. Yeah, it's. Um, I think fair to say that it's. He's been a slight disappointment. I mean. Yeah. Obviously, you you would say that. Um, you know the standards are very very high at mm. the top of the Premier League, um, but there there are certain facets of his game that you haven't seen mm. in the Premier League for example uh, switch balls um, they used to be his trademark uh, feature in, in, in Germany 
also playing out from the back, you know, line breaking passes. Mm. He tends to give it to. Well, might not be his responsibility. There's there's other players back there who. Well, who, that was what I was going to ask. Who, I wonder how much of that is just the build up structure that Guardiola has put in place. Maybe we don't know if he's not. Maybe he's not allowed to play the switches. Basically, I mean, this is what I'm thinking. Well, and maybe City's game, uh, the situations they they come up against usually low blocks, and obviously then the switch ball is mm. less of a of a. Of a of a prevalent factor because obviously you need a bit of space to open before you can hit a mm. 30, 30 meter pass. But I just feel aside from the kind of tactical, um, technical aspect, I just feel it looks a bit more sluggish. Mm. Mm. Like, um, and a little bit of lack of focus sometimes mm. in defensive situations. Um, that was never an issue in in the Bundesliga. I mean, there are moments with every defender, of course. You you don't keep a zero point zero mm. being taken on mm. uh, rate. Mm. <laughs> you know, obviously there are moments where you you will be in uh, numerical uh, minority in the in in defensive situation, and it will struggle. But uh, I feel there are kind of crucial situations where he makes the wrong call. Mm. Uh, and again, looks a bit sluggish coming forward. And also, he's got a great strike on the ball, Ash. Yeah. Uh, haven't really seen much of that. Although he's he's had a... He, he doesn't stop trying, but... But I would also say, this is the thing I've noticed. Yeah, I keep seeing him crossing the ball from wide areas. He's made his way very far up the pitch. But I've, I've seen him kind of isolated one-on-one defensively on the side there. More often than I think he wants to be I, yeah. I feel like the system doesn't always serve him in that regard because he, he ends up almost playing like a fullback a lot of the time and I don't think he is a fullback maybe a, a wide center half in a back three mm. but yeah. he, he seems to end up in positions where he doesn't look comfortable quite often I still think that City um, if the if they play with three at the back I think the left mm. uh, the left slot is, is good for him and he he can do those things I mean but Playing him as a left back, of course, you have to take positions higher off the pitch. You get into pressure uh, a lot more. Um, but he doesn't have the physical makeup to be a wing back. This is the thing. That's quite clear. Um, however, but okay, let's see. I mean, we we we're giving these are young guys. We give yeah. them the benefit of doubt, and you know, not every player has kind of hit the ground running at City in the last few years, and they've come good. Um, but as I said, the only thing that surprises me, like, I mean, he was always kind of a little bit sluggish, mm. um, although he's deceptively quick on longer distances. It's just something about the body language um, that makes me a bit kind of mm. worried. But, uh, you know, he's still in a brilliant side and he's, he's not dis- disgracing himself, Lars. No. Well... Yeah, no natural link there, but at number eight, <laughs> a player who definitely isn't disgracing himself, let's do that, and who is also in a brilliant side right now. You had Florian Wirtz at number eight, mm. which I think is a good call, because he's now now that he's completely injury-free, playing his best football again, and playing in a team that's doing incredibly well. It's been a good year for Wirtz. Yeah, he, I think he came back from injury like uh, about a year ago, mm. and just based on those kind of three or four months um, that this... You know, running up to this list yeah. were spectacular. So he kind of came back from a very, very bad uh, knee injury, and um, straight away he was—he he looked like the same player that he was before the injury. Mm. 
and he's kicked on from there. And uh, I think he's one of the most exciting centre midfielders in the world. Mm. Uh, I don't think that's a very controversial claim at all, Lars. No. And again, the, about you know the key here is end product. So positive in his play, always looking for for a, for a one-two, a link-up, for a for a run. Um, and if you want to go into the real tech, uh, you know, the t real technical details, you see, you know, if you want to study a player who knows, you know, how to play a pass, mm. how to get the right angle on, you know, how to serve dinner perfectly prepared <laughs> for your teammate, he does it. Mm. And um, yeah, you just wonder where. I mean, you you might have expected a little bit more from him for Germany. Yeah, you know, they then... struggled a bit. Yeah, as we go back to the. You know Chelsea, Man United, yeah. club side uh, Problem, yeah. problematics. But again, um, yeah, outstanding player now. You know, as a kind of a Leverkusen fan, uh, yeah. I have a history with them, as you know, Lars. I'd love him to stay there at least for one more season. But uh, I would be surprised if Bayern ever lets him leave Germany. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you, think that's a, you think that's a Bayern move waiting to happen? I think they will just. Hang on, as much as it may cost. Yeah. Um, talk, there's talk of a buyout clause there, but I think he will. They will not let him. Yeah. Leave the bonders. Leave the bonders country. They'll, they'll, be, they'll be posting people at the borders and just sort of yeah. No. Yeah, he's. I think he's, and also, in terms of his his style and uh, you know mentality, future captain as well. Yeah. And, and he'd be perfect for Bayern. You know? All right. So that's uh, that's one to look after this summer, I suppose. Number seven, I, I think, yeah, I, I like this player as well, but I think we come to another sort of slightly disappointing uh, player this season, which is Gabriel Martinelli, who's, mm. uh, you know, just scored a pair of goals against Crystal Palace, which wasn't good for him, but before that, I think he had two all season in the Premier League, which is a lot less than uh, Arsenal will have been waiting, hoping and expecting from him. A uh, little bit of a setback for a player who's showed a lot very early in his career. Yeah, I mean... Um, strange, mm. strange profile altogether. Yeah. Came came from is not from a you know prestigious academy that shows. Mm. You know, came from lower divisions in Brazil or amateur football or whatever, and all of a sudden he started, you know, playing in the Premier League. It was I think and looked good, almost straight, unheard straight, of, straight yeah. before the injury yeah. as well. I thought he looked really exciting. To me, it's more more. I know he's Brazilian. Is his passport? Yeah. But to me, it's like a Brazilian, uh, Argentinian player, Uruguayan, mm. because he plays. It's the intensity again, and yeah. he wants it to happen. And he's, and as I said, it shows that he's not from an academy. He's mm. rough around the edges, um, and uh, with the kind of productivity that he was uh, upholding last season, mm. you can, you can excuse him for a few off moments, or you know, kind yeah. of losing the ball a little bit too casually and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, this season is not really uh, had the same spark basically. Um, but you know, maybe this these two goals against you know late on against Palace might have been the turning point. Because we still like the player. I mean, I think when we did this last year, I felt like I get sort of slight Luis Suarez vibes off of him. Something to do with his gait, the intensity that you mentioned. Yeah, but. Yeah, I did not see this regression this season coming at all, and I'm not. And 
unfortunately for a podcast setting, I don't have a great theory as to why it's happened either. It just doesn't seem to write in letters and emails, Arsenal fans, if you have a great uh, explanation as to what's been happening with them, because it just doesn't seem to be clicking in, in quite the same way. Number six on the list, Eduardo Camavinga. Still good. Playing playing for Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, partly, you know, maybe at times a bit compromised of, you know, the same, the same arguments as we, 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 we touched on with uh, Musa. Mm. Two totally different players, of course, but playing out on left back is not his, is not his domain. No, although he. He has been playing midfield as well. Yeah, but it's yeah, but at it, at left back, the, those times he plays at left back is yeah. obviously not yeah, uh, not his domain. And but well, I still kind of wait for Real Madrid to kind of build a team around him. Yeah, and for him to kind of you know um, set the pace and bark out directions and all this kind of stuff. But they're still in a kind of a trans. His transistory phase with Cross <laughs> and Modric kind of being shifted out slowly. It's it's but it's it's a good transition. I mean, there's plenty of talent in there, and Kamavinga is just so good. He's just so talented that you know you just have to you, you don't even have to wait because the talent is there already. But of course, um, he's uh, a player like Kamavinga needs to have a fundamental role in the team yeah he's a playmaker basically he's not the number eight he's, he's a six and a half in my opinion playmaker sitting deep but do you not worry that in a team that already has uh Chouameni and Valverde and Bellingham in that sort of midfield area that he may never find that role that you that you want for him or no, do you think he'll no. just yeah I think he is the only conductor out of those four okay I think the others are more well Chouameni is more He's also a conductor, you could mm. say, but semiconductor. We've so, <laughs> <laughs> got that transi- transitional phase and semiconductor <laughs> in the same. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas uh, Valverde and uh, Bellingham are more direct players, mm. although they can also play number six well, of course. But if you have a player like uh, Kamavinga, who is so uh, tactically good and can set the rhythm of the play and stuff like that, I think you 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 build it around him, and there's enough playing time between the other th- three big names you mentioned. Yeah. Chomeny is maybe the one that's... That might be, yeah. You're struggling more to kind of envisage him having a... being an absolute regular yeah. for the next five years. Yeah, because when, when Cross and Modric move on, you can see a midfield with Camavinga as, like you say, the conductor at number six, and then Valverde and Bellingham as the sort of eights that, that, that go for a run. Yeah, and then uh, and then that leaves uh, Tramani, I guess, getting a big money move to England at some point, probably. You would imagine. Well, in England, I think he would be even. Well, he wouldn't have to wait long for people to pick him up. Even PSG or yeah. big, other big clubs would would be there. But it is a nice problem to have on your hands if yeah. you're Ancelotti. Yeah, not the worst one. No. To to have four such brilliant central midfielders. And he seems young. to be managing the squad rather well. It does seem yeah. to be does seem to working for him. Number That's five. That's never been a problem for Ancelotti <laughs> man- managing the squad. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a perfect fit with him there, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's good to see him uh, staying on and renewing his contract. Number five, unfortunately, we do run into an injury situation again with Gavi. Yeah. Who, um, I mean, is amazing, but. Maybe it's too sort of um, 
uh, knee-jerk of me, but I'm, I'm very tempted to make a t- talking point out of questioning whether some of these younger players are being used too much and exposed to too much of a physical load too early when we're seeing some of the injury problems that Gavi's starting to have. But maybe that's a topic for another podcast. I guess the only conclusion with him is... Well, it was a subject of this podcast earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. Just, just to remind you. But yeah, you know. no, I, I think it's clear. Yeah. Incredible but, player, but... But I leave that discussion... You know, I've kind of... Um, deliberately avoided mm. that discussion because I I think should leave this to to the sports scientists yeah and the experts and the, yeah. the medical stuff I have don't have the competence to yeah great player to too much great player shame about the injuries number four Jamal Musiala great player yeah I think the uh, the issue that kept him out of the top three last year was that he I mean you start nitpicking last when you get to to the top five or six mm. um, and the issue as I pointed out in the previous podcast was that he he lost a bit of impact towards the end of the mm. games he was always substituted like kind of early in the second half mid midway through the second half but um, well when when Bayern are good and when Bayern really you know play at maximum uh, capacity he is is very often he is behind it you know he is the player that makes it all kind of stick together and he ended up eventually winning them the league effectively with the uh, with the goal on the last day of the season yeah. and i think if you're if you're 20 and you've been a you've scored a league deciding goal for bayern you're doing pretty well in your career yeah. and uh, yeah no someone is definitely going to be a top player interesting about number three uh, where we put Bukayo Saka. And he's been good. It's something like uh, six goals or assists, assists or something this season, which is oh. which is fine. It's it's a fine place to be in January for for a wide player in the Premier League. Yeah, I don't have anything negative to say about him. But but are we still at a point where we think he's one of the best players in that age group on the planet? I guess is the question. Or is that a question I should even be asking? Am I being too harsh? Is this well, t- 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 typical Spurs bias on the large resort? I well, don't know. That's a question for me to work out with the <laughs> with, with the twenty twenty four list. I'm not sure if he uh, whether he qualifies next year. Mm. Um, I think he might be overaged then, which would be good because <laughs> it would save me from a bit of a headache, to be honest. Now. On a kind of a philosophical um, point here, Lars, now the question is, I mean, obviously, when you're so high up on this list, do we do we expect the players to... I mean, Saka might have peaked to a certain extent last season. He had a tremendous season, and the end product was, was unbelievable. We mm. don't need to talk more about his pros and cons. Mm. Um, he's well-known at this he, point. He's well-known. So it, this is merely a discussion about his progress or lack of so. Mm. And I'm not sure whether we should expect uh, young players to rise kind of, that there is an unlimited roof or yeah. ceiling because ultimately um, they are still young and, you know, it's still a good return for him this season. Whether that would have qualified for another um, place on the podium, I don't know, but... Mm. Um, it's a tricky one, Lash. But he's still, um, I mean, 
you would argue Arsenal's most important player in an attacking yeah, sense. Yeah. I, I think he is. Yeah. I think he is the one if you take him out. And I think honestly, if you're <laughs> if you're if you're twenty two years old and you're, I would say Arsenal's single most important player. And maybe less explosive this season. But then Arsenal are playing in a slightly more controlled and mm. constrained way. It's less freewheeling than it was. Yeah. And he's still the guy they Defensively better. Yeah. And he's, so he's, something he's, has to give. Yeah. yeah. And he's still the guy they look to. And he's going to end up in double figures and both goals and assists this season. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that he does remarkably well, which is kind of his signature, the runs on the, on, on the back post, uh, shifting in from the right on the left foot. There's still been a few of those moments. Yeah, and I also wonder if the fact that Martinelli has had an underwhelming season affects him a little bit as well, because then everything is on him, and the yeah. op- opponents also know that he's the guy they're going to be looking for constantly. But I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's also a, a case of uh, you know the attacking the attacking um, patterns not being you know being slightly different with. New faces coming in. I mean, you have Harvard's in there, plays quite a bit now. Erdogan's yeah. slightly different role. Mm. Um, and, of course, opponents being more aware of them, you know. Like you said, Lars, I mean, when you, you're up against Arsenal, Saka is the one you you want to stop. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, yeah, we're probably being very harsh here. We're, we're, there's a young player who is, again, pivotal player for Arsenal. And we're. I guess the reason I'm being critical is that... I, I, I think he can be even better. I think I think that 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 is possible. But you you can't really be too critical. I think of of the role that he has. Returning to the theme of injuries, I suppose that number two is Pedri. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah again amazing player. Shame about the injury. There's more to come from him. Guaranteed. Yeah. We'll, we'll continue. I'm sure. Unless there are too many of these injuries, I'm sure he'll be one of the best midfielders of his generation and we can talk about it again in the future, I guess, when he's healthy. Yeah, and the same goes for, for, for Gavi mm. and Pedri. I mean, it's yeah. easy to kind of slot them into the same category, but in this case, it is a valid point that they have already proven to be yeah. two of the best central midfielders in the world. Yeah, There's, there's nothing lacking there. I mean, no. you can imagine the headache I've got when I have to try to 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 work out how can they improve yeah let alone number one yeah and I think I wrote something to the extent of what is there to say yeah about yeah because that cause again we get to number one now and I think uh 10 months down the line I think you're pretty happy with that pick uh, you're, you're, but there was really no question, really, when you were doing the list, was it that Jude Bellingham was the most exciting player under 21 in the world? And he has certainly lived up to that after yeah. his big move to Real Madrid. Yeah. No, I fully stand by that <laughs> that position. And um, I don't seem to remember there was too much discussion. I think no, one... I so. No, but one or two of the guys that... I mean... As I said, who, I said, who did people want ahead of him? Yeah, I was getting to that. Lush. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, some of them are more kind of... It, it depends a bit from what kind of culture you come and what you appreciate in a footballer. And I think Pedri was was the number one. And people who were more into the Premier League and in particular Arsenal fans would, would be looking to Saka. Mm-hmm. However, if you do the kind of 360-degree analysis of a player, now you might say that... Um, the German league is comparatively weaker than the Premier League and, and La Liga, um, possibly party with, with uh, Serie A. And again, that German teams tend to attack 
uh, bit more, which gives you probably higher individual um, stats and output, like in terms of end product, than you would in the other leagues. However, it is in Europe. He last season he was the best player at Dortmund, mm. and he would be the one player to create create the trouble. Yeah. And he's a player who can do everything. You know, going from being a YouTube star at uh, 12, 13, it's almost like watching Messi, you know, like, uh, mm. and then his body uh, grew and uh, he ended up like a perfect number eight. Mm. Can also be a number 10, can be a striker if he wants to, mm. could be a center back and decent number six. It's not a, it's not a position you couldn't play. And uh, also when you looked at, looked at the stats, like, there's a snapshot in, in the piece I wrote. I can't exactly remember the the numbers, but in terms of getting into the box, mm. touches in the oppo uh, opposition area, remarkably high ball carrying, successful ball carries, like, I don't know, eight plus per match or whatever. I think it was even higher, maybe double figures. So it's the easiest call to make. Mm. And I think that, move to Real Madrid was also the easiest transfer Real Madrid have ever ever done because they knew that yeah. it's going to be a success. And the funny thing, you were probably, I got the piece you wrote uh, almost a year ago in front of me and you were probably grasping at straws because there is the, 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 the format is you, you write, you know, some, an intro to the player, what the strengths are and where he can improve. And I think with Bellingham, the problem was like, what do you put in the can improve bit? So what you ended up pointing out is that he takes a lot of shots on goal and his accuracy is a bit on the low side like a lot of them went right now this is funny because what then happened at real madrid <laughs> he scored like, it, it, he went through a few weeks early on where like literally every shot he took went in it was just a statistical anomaly like that or early goal scoring spree I forget what it was, but it was something yeah. like nine goals and twelve shots, or something completely yeah. crazy. I know that, that's probably that's not the right numbers, but you guys get the impression. So, like the one thing that you managed to find was maybe not positive. He immediately just went. Actually, you know what? I can. My shooting's fine. Thank you very much. Great response, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So just uh, just really more or less a perfect player, like uh, absolutely incredible. Yeah, and um, delightful to watch as well. So positive. It's just kind of positive aura about him, mm. you know, and just loads playing football and, um, you know, everyone looks for kind of, you know, you want the physical makeup, you want the, you want the industry, but you also want the technical ability and you don't want to show off the mm. technical mm. ability. Mm. He has practical, mm. uh, reasonable technique, you know, he doesn't overdo things um, so much or absolutely well beaten yeah what 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 a list and and what a year it's been and uh, mostly positive yeah a couple of sort of players we were expecting more from but that's always going to happen with the young ones just lastly now that you're i don't know where you are in the process but you're going to do a new list this year have you started thinking about it have you started asking people is this something that you're working on now how do you feel about that work uh, for the next uh, years well i look forward to doing it is always the highlight of my uh, year for espn um and um i've just yeah i just started uh, opening the file um tentatively i'm not going to go too much into and well i'm not going to go into at all who might feature this year that we'll leave that for to be found out in um, 
sometime in April, I think. But I would say on a closer note that um, if you want some clues, you can um, um, you can have a look at my uh, monthly uh, hot list, no less, which is under twenty three list. So some mm. players might not feature there. In the That's 21, why. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there are, there will be candidates on those um, those little pieces. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. This is, as always, when we sit down in front of microphones, this is taking so much longer than I had in mind. But hopefully the listener will not mind. And I'm delighted to have you in the resort yet again. Actually, I will ask you, when I started having guests at the resort, I had this goofy idea that guests should be allowed to bring something, add a feature to the resort. If we are in a hypothetical fictional resort and you can have anything in there that can be anything from jet skis to a wine cooler i don't know i mean what would you want to see at a resort if you're on holiday to kissingham i think pina coladas maybe wouldn't be be a bad thing all right let's do that let's have the uh, (laughs) pina colada dispenser straight into the resort thank you so much for your time Uh, i hope uh, i'll see you again soon Yes, that was interesting, wasn't it? I thought so. I'm a big believer in this, in in content creation. You know, we shouldn't just throw opinions out there and move on. We should throw opinions out there and then maybe revisit them, you know, reconsider, ask ourselves, how did that work out? Uh, I like it. Um, Still still haven't written the betting preview for the weekend. I'm going to sit down and do that as soon as this is uploaded. Looking at the games, though, there is one very simple thing I'm definitely going to go and have on there. Uh, which is one of our old favorites. It's both teams to score and over two and a half goals in Tottenham Man City this time. Spurs tend to do surprisingly well against Man City, especially at home. Um, whereas um, we've spoken about Angeball and, and Tottenham a lot this season, it's all very exciting and positive, but they are a bit of a mess at the back at times as well. Do we think they'll keep a clean sheet against City? Well, no, we do not think that. Um, bets on our offering and our price of 180 on both of them to score and over two and a half goals. So both teams to score and any other score than 1-1. I have to say, I'm very happy to take that. I'm more than happy to take that. That will be one of my picks for the weekend for sure. Thanks for the company, everyone. See, twice, twice this week, twice. I told you, we've turned a corner in terms of the regular scheduling here at the resort. Good stuff. I, I like it. Hope you guys like it too. Talk to you again soon.